Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Sports Virus Podcast. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. We're brought to you, as always, by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, where they've had the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, today we're going to talk about the Super Bowl and the Golden State Warriors, and we're starting up a new podcast for 2024. Former CanBR talk show host Ray Woodson will be my co-host for every podcast in 2024, so let's get it started. Well, Ray, so happy to have you back and uh, as my co-host here on the Sports Virus Podcast. And we're going to do about 20 of these throughout the year. I'm really looking forward to it. There's always so much to talk about as far as Bay Area sports. And, uh, you know, you've got it covered from Arizona. You still follow the Bay Area sports as much as possible. And I'm still here in the Bay Area. Uh, It's just going to be fun. And, you know, we're going to start out by talking about the Super Bowl. So you can't beat that. Yeah, uh, Super Bowl, by the way, in Las Vegas, just up the road about four hours from us. All you have to do is make a ride on Grand Avenue, and you're there. (laughs) (laughs) On the way back to California. And we do bounce back between the Bay Area and California, uh, Bay Area and uh, Arizona, and also Southern California. We go there quite a bit. So uh, we're definitely dipping our toes in the water uh, in what's going on around the Bay Area because we have family and friends all over the place there. And we talk about this stuff all the time. And, you know, my brothers-in-law, they go to the games and they tell me what's going on. So I've been looking at things from a 30,000-foot level, but I, I hope to bring this in for a landing during these podcasts. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that NFC Championship was a doozy. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people watching it in the first half, myself included, are thinking there's no way the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. The way that was going, the Lions are just dominating the line of scrimmage. They're running the ball at will. Uh, the 49ers just really couldn't get anything going. But, man, everything turned around in the second half. And it turned, uh, turned around quickly, Ray. I mean, everything happened really fast in that third quarter quarter to get the 49ers back in the game yeah and it had to 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 give them hope and you know show them that, hey you were down by 10 now and there's plenty of time left even in the third quarter and but it took some some i wouldn't call them fluky except for the iu catch i think you could call that <laughs> fluky. tremendous concentration on his part but it took some weird events uh to have this snowball for the 49ers because it really did look dire at the end of the first half, they were not stopping the Lions, especially on the ground. Uh, they weren't they weren't getting off the field on third down, and they really haven't been good at that all year. And, of course, Dan Campbell likes to gamble a lot. That's been his mantra all year long, and it served him well. Kind of surprising at the end of the half that he did go for the three instead of uh, trying to punch it in. And I, and I was thinking, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> it's not 28-7. to seven, It's 24-7. to seven. So it's dire, but it's not quite that dire. And there's a lot of second-guessing about decisions he made on fourth down. I think a lot of that is results-oriented. Uh, the first one was, I believe, the 49ers were down 24-10, to 10, and the Lions were at the 49ers' 28-yard line, and Goff threw a pass uh, left side to Josh Reynolds, catchable ball, and he dropped it. That was not a bad gamble. That's a play they, they should have converted, but they didn't. And Reynolds dropped a, a wide-open pass later on. So it took a couple of drops. It took a, a crazy catch by Ayuk. It took some risk-taking by Campbell that didn't work out. 
especially when he eschewed the game-tying field goal. That's the one, I think, where you, you could really question him. And it took a fumble also, that uh, great play by, I think it was uh, Gibson, and then the recovery by Armstead, and that, that really turned the, the momentum around. But this team is talented. You know, they have weapons. They have threats everywhere. So if any team was going to do that, it was going to be the 49ers. So, yeah, I, I was wondering, you know, I posted this on social media. Are they going to wake up? You know, <laughs> they, it looked like they were in a daze there for a while. And eventually they did. And it, it, it took a couple of plays, but it got them going. And they're quite a force when they get some momentum. But, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit troubling because they had a slow start against the Packers, too. And they can not have a slow start in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs or it's over early. I agree with that. And, yeah, we'll get to the Super Bowl matchup in a little bit. But getting back to Campbell and his decision-making, a lot of people are saying that, yeah, you know, he made those type of decisions all year long where he would go for it. And, you know, it was a little odd that he didn't go for it, uh, like you said, in the first half. But I guess he felt like it was a little too far away. But, you know, the way I look at it, Ray, is it it is a little different when you get to the NFC Championship and you're trying to put a team away. I would have put the points on the board. And I'm not saying this after the fact. I'm saying it when I'm watching it. I'm saying to myself, yeah, I'm going to kick – the 48-yard field goal or whatever it was. I think one of them would have been 48. Would have been been, uh, 43 for another one. You know, I just feel like you could have really put the 49ers down there. Uh, You know, I know it's fourth and two, and you've made those before, but I just want to step on them there. And that's just my theory. But I understand he's been doing it all year long. Well, they had him on the run in the first half. And like I said, a little surprised that they, they kicked the field goal there. And again, I said, thank you very much. And I think the 49ers might have been saying the same because uh, it was fourth down and goal. And I had every expectation that they were going to score on that play the way they were going. Uh, but they didn't. And you you do not let your foot off the pedal. The 49ers learned that lesson the hard way in the last Super Bowl against the Chiefs when they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. And, of course, they had that one ball Garoppolo threw to Sanders that he was open and uh, it was it was an easy six, and he overthrew him. Yeah, but but you know, not that I've turned the page, but uh, <laughs> it, it it yeah, uh, the, you've got a team that is that talented as the Forty ers are. Uh, Seventeen points, as it turns out, is is not insurmountable. I, I get the math; you're making it a three score game, but then at the end of the game, you have a chance to tie it with a field goal, and it's fourth, and I think a longer distance on that one. And they didn't convert there. That's the one where I thought, okay, well, you know, I understand he's he's gone by that method all year long, and it served him well. But that's the one I think that really came back to bite him that the people were questioning. Of course, the 49ers uh, uh, get the stop, and they march down the field, and they get the uh, touchdown that uh, by Jennings. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, by Mitchell, that uh, pretty much sealed it. Yeah, I mean, that catch by Ayuk, it's it's funny because I, I think people are trying to name it, you know, compare it to other catches. I mean, I thought it was more the immaculate reception than it was the catch by Dwight Clark. And, I, you know, it, what it kind of reminded me of, Ray, was the catch by Lynn Swan in the Super Bowl yeah. for the Steelers against yes. the Cowboys because of the concentration level. It, you know, I know Lynn Swan didn't have it go off the helmet of the defender like Ayuk did, which made it seem right. luckier. But at the same time, I mean, like you said, that concentration level was unbelievable to be able to be in midair like that and still be able to make that catch. 
Yeah, I was telling my wife, it's funny, I, I said to her, I said, that reminds me of Lynn Swan's catch in the Super Bowl. She said, who? <laughs> <laughs> well before her time of watching football. Since she'd been married to me, she's a little more up to speed. But, uh, it, you know, it, I call it the ladybug catch because that's what I said after the game, that he, he saw a ladybug land on his cleat, and, he, and it's he, he feels like that brings you good luck. That's the story anyway. Right. That's what he said in the post-game interview. So I'm going to call it the ladybug catch for lack of a better name but it really was one of the turning point plays and one of the plays that will be remembered from the season for for years to come uh you know they whether they win or lose in the super bowl yeah i mean the other ones that kind of stand out in my mind i mean of course the brock purdy runs and i want to talk about those in in a minute Mm -hmm. but 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 first i mean i just thought when they first came out in the third quarter and they got the ball to debo a couple of times and I thought that was really important because he's, you know, he's just a guy who's going to turn something that might look like a, an eight-yard gain into a 25-yard gain. So it seemed like that was an emphasis. Let's do that. And they hadn't hit Kittle, you know, at all. They didn't even look at him. And then finally they hit him on a big play in the second half yeah. as well. So those were some of the key plays. But but the Purdy runs, those were remarkable. I mean, I know that he's been elusive throughout the season. But the way he was running were, Ray, I mean, he was running as if he doesn't want to just get the first down. He wants a lot more than that. And he's running with, you know, cuts, looking like a running back, which I don't know that he showed off that bag of tricks very often during the regular season. I don't, I don't remember seeing that very often. No, no, that was the X factor, as it turns out. And, and that's something that the Lions didn't account for. And, you know, really, why would they? But he's he does have that ability. I like what Kittle said post game. He said, uh, uh, pretty scampers like a water dragon. And, <laughs> and that's, he said, I thought of that right on the spot. I'm pretty proud of myself. Uh, it, it was, it, it, it was an image I had to think for a second. I said, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's probably a pretty good, pretty good summation of it. But you know, he's, he's sneaky fast and he can definitely cover some ground. He's not a statue out there by no means. And I'm going to uh, talk about a play that I circled during the game where he got out of the grasp of a Lions defender, yeah. and he, he rolled left, and he, he threw it to the sideline for a tightrope catch by Juszczyk. Yeah. And you tell me that's a game manager. <laughs> that, <laughs> no. was, that was a highly athletic play, and he made a few of those. Uh, there was another one uh, where he, he scampered down to about the four-yard line during one of their scoring drives as well. So, you know, and that's something I think the Chiefs will be aware of, but – it's an X factor because you really don't expect him to take off and move as much as you do other quarterbacks, such as Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. He's you know not that level of an athlete, but he's good enough in certain situations where he can hurt you. So I think that that was a, a fun part of the game, and you know he's he has now engineered two great comeback wins. Uh, this last one almost historic in nature. I don't know how many more questions this guy has to answer. I guess they'll, they'll, you know, if he doesn't have a good Super Bowl, they'll be back to the same old uh, narrative about him. But uh, those guys in the locker room love him, and they swear by him. And I, I think McCaffrey would be, probably would get my vote for MVP if anybody on the 49ers would, but he's a pretty close second, along with Trent Williams. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's probably going to get it, but uh, he's he's right up there. I mean, what what a story! Last year, he's he's out of the NFC Championship game, tears his UCL. Not sure if he's going to start the season. Comes back has a has a record breaking campaign, 
leads two epic comebacks in the, the playoffs and leads them to the Super Bowl. My God, what else does the man have to do? <laughs> yeah, and bounces back from adversity because, you know, he's had a few bad games and then everybody counts him out. But, I mean, this guy is a gutsy performer. And I was thinking about it during the game, Ray, that – when you're talking about going to a combine and doing a draft and all that, you just can't measure not only what's in somebody's heart, but also how they navigate the pocket. Because you mentioned that play, the way he got away and he throws to yep. check. I mean, that's something that you saw, you know, from Brady where, you know, Brady didn't get drafted high. And I think people wondered about, you know, does he have the athleticism when he's coming out of college and with Purdy and I'm not comparing him to Brady, but I'm just saying that I don't think there's a measure for how a guy navigates the pocket. And this guy just seems to have a knack for it. And it's not that he's never going to get sacked because he does, but he, he knows how to get away from trouble and made some, some of those key plays where you just thought he is dead. And, and then he gets away. You have to have a sense of where the pass rush is to be a quarterback in the NFL. You have to have geography, knowledge. And so it doesn't mean that you have to be a sprinter, but you have to be nimble enough. And you have to be able to take on the rush, not be afraid of it, and, and you know, face it when they're blitzing you. And, and Purdy's been very good about it. You know, as a matter of fact, we know that Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, one of the best to ever do it, likes to use multiple blitz packages. So he's going to throw a lot at Purdy. Turns out Purdy has the best numbers against the Blitz in the NFL. I think it's 10 yards per, per pass play. So uh, that's going to be the case of a one force versus another force. We'll see who wins out on that. But I know they're going to throw a lot of stuff at him, but he's handled it very well. Uh, little area of concern, uh, he had three passes tipped against the Lions. One of them was intercepted. That wasn't really a bad throw by, by Purdy. But, you know, he's not super tall. So that, that's something that uh, I think defensive lines have keyed in on, and they, they put a hand up. Uh, you know, the guy I really worry about for the Chiefs is Chris Jones. He wrecked shop in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Uh, he, he's going to be somebody that you're going to have to deal with, uh, you know, on several gaps on the defensive line. So I think, you know, overall, Purdy has shown that, that sixth sense to, to know where the pass rush is and do a good job of avoid, avoiding the sack. But uh, beyond that, what I like to see in a quarterback is how he processes information, how he goes through his reads, how he knows the playbook, right? And he, a quarterback who can show he, he's adept at those things wins the trust of his teammates, wins the trust of that line. And, you know, he, he gets the ball to those playmakers, and, and they do a lot. And, you know, that, that, that's true. He's got great talent around him. But, hey, so did Steve Young. So did Joe Montana. So, how do you how do you use the talented players you have around him? And he's done a great job of that. Uh, he's he's a guy who knows the playbook, uh, has Shanahan's total trust, and you know he he seems to be able to weather storms as well. He's got that emotional maturity for such a young kid. I call him a kid. He's a young man, but <laughs> you know it's it's, it, it, you know, it's all relative. But age wise, he still looks like a kid to me. But he's incredible. I mean, he's, he's done a great job this year. The other thing I look for in a quarterback is accuracy. And he's been pretty accurate. There's some throws where it's a little, little on the wayside. He throws behind guys. He puts uh, receivers in peril once in a while. He had a ball that, where Jennings was wide open, and he airmailed it uh, down in the red zone. He'll do that once in a while, and he'll make an errant throw once in a while. But it's not like a Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, here's the Jimmy Garoppolo bad throw of the game. Right, he doesn't do that so much. Uh, now he had a pick that was a stone cold pick that was dropped 
in the Packers game. <clears throat> but, you know, you're facing better teams now. You're facing better defenses. So it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. But, uh, you know, he, he got him to the Super Bowl. I don't think it, there's much that phases him now. He's kind of weathered a few storms. You know, he had a lot of early success. The question was going to be, you know, when there were a couple of setbacks, how is he going to handle it? I think he's bounced back pretty nicely. I guess the scariest part to me in the Super Bowl is that the Chiefs' defense is not what it was in the past. It is one of the best in the NFL. In fact, you know, statistically, number two behind the Browns. And we know the 49ers struggled against the Browns' defense. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a whole different outlook than it was when these two teams played in the Super Bowl back, you know, 2019 season. This is, like you said, Steve Spagnolo has got a whole package of blitzes and, and different stuff, but just the talent level on that defense is kind of scary. Yeah, no, no they're great. And uh, they they shut down the Ravens and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. That was a very impressive performance. Yeah, They had a great game plan against Jackson to keep him contained. And they got him sacked a couple of times, and there was a big uh, strip sack uh, in that game. And I think uh, Omenahu was in on that. And then later on, he uh, he tore his ACL, and he's going to be out. Terrible break for him, the former 49er. Uh, so that's going to be a, 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 somebody who's going to be sorely missed on that defensive line. But they've got other very talented players. And I would say, conversely, that in the last Super Bowl, the 49ers didn't have the weapons they have now. They didn't have all the weapons that they have now, in particular McCaffrey. I think what you're going to see is they're going to try to beat whatever zone coverage that the Chiefs throw at them. I would imagine a lot of quick hitters. Just get the ball out quickly to your playmakers and get those yards after catch that they're so good at. Kittle, Debo, uh, McCaffrey, and and to some extent, Ayuk, who's really, really blossomed into a, a quality NFL receiver. So I would say they have more threats than they had in the last Super Bowl. And they have a quarterback I, I think they feel a little bit more solid about. So it's going to be a great matchup. I do think 49ers are going to have to play their best game of the year to beat the Chiefs. But they're capable of beating anybody in the NFL. They are. Uh, you know, the defense is going to have to do a better job of stopping the run. And they did a better Absolutely. job in the second half, for sure. But, I mean, yeah. they were just getting gashed in the first half against the Lions. And, you know, with a guy like Pacheco, the way he runs for the Chiefs, they like to run the football. And, you know, that's another concern I think 49ers fans should have. Well, especially between the tackles. Uh, that's going to be something to watch early on. Are the Chiefs going to try to soften up the 49ers that way after seeing what they saw uh, the Lions running backs do and, and Aaron Jones for the Packers going over 100 yards. Uh, that's going to be one of the real keys to this game because if uh, the 49ers can stop the run and at least get the Chiefs in more third and long situations, I mean, as talented as the Chiefs are, they can certainly convert. And like I said, the 49ers have been one of the worst in the league uh, defensively and getting out the field on third down, which has been a, a real <clears throat> surprise and disappointment, I think, uh, this year. They've shown, you know, some vulnerabilities that, that we didn't think they had in the past. So uh, what's their game plan? How are they going to work on, on, you know, tightening up things defensively against the run game? I want to see more out of a couple of guys, including Chase Young. We've hardly mentioned his name. <laughs> I haven't heard his name in the last couple of games. Let's see if he can have more of an impact. Bosa was starting to in the last game, uh, you know, in the interior line. Uh, is Armstead going to be the, the guy that we know he can be? Uh, I think it, it all stems from that. It really did in the Lions game. They were able to run the ball 
quite successfully, and that that helped open things up for Goff as well. So uh, that'll be one of the early keys to look for. Uh, are the Chiefs able to run the ball the way the last two opponents have? If they are, that spells trouble. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Chiefs have had their issues at times this year on offense where they just didn't have it going the way they have in the past. I mean, they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, that deep threat, but they still have Travis Kelsey, and he is so dependable. And, you know, Tony's going to yeah. be back after he missed the last game. Kadarius, Tony, uh, right. so, you know, and it's Patrick Mahomes. He figures out a way to get points on the board, especially in clutch situations. Well, that's the other thing with Mahomes. You know, mobile quarterback has historically driven the 49ers crazy. Uh, you know, you're, you're meeting in the Super Bowl, so <laughs> that's not a bad thing. But uh, that's going to be another threat, uh, you know, what he does with his legs, his ability to evade the rush as well. How are you going to be able to contain him? And, you know, they're going to key on Kelsey and, and make the wide receivers beat him. That's been a, a weakness for the Chiefs this year, although they've gotten better as the year has gone on. Rasheed Rice has, has certainly developed. But they had a lot of drops earlier in the year. Mahomes was getting really frustrated. He was about ready to crawl out of his skin. He was, he was getting so frustrated. <laughs> but, you know, it's gotten better, and, and the Chiefs are saving their best football for the end of the year. They're playing better than the 49ers are right now. But, you know, two weeks is, <laughs> is a way to stop momentum, right? <laughs> right. You, 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 when you're playing as well as the Chiefs, you almost want to get on the field the next week. Now you've got to wait a little bit. So, We'll see if that, that causes any kind of rust on their part. I think for the 49ers, they're probably welcome the break at this point. But, yeah, I mean, Mahomes is uh, multiple MVP. We know what he can do, and we've seen him do it against the 49ers. I think we've seen him bring him back. But I, I, I think that would be the game plan, stop the rush and key on Kelsey. And, you know, Mahomes, with those off-schedule plays, is deadly, and he's been deadly with everybody. It won't be just the 49ers who have been vulnerable against it. Uh, you know, he's, he's probably, if, if the Chiefs win, he's probably the MVP of the game. That's the reason they win. Well, hopefully we'll be talking about, you know, somebody that was on the field making, you know, some kind of statement because you know, Ray, that this is going to be known as the Taylor Swift Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. She's going to get there, I guess, from Japan, taking some overnight flight on a private jet and, you know, getting there, I don't know how many hours maybe in time to see the game, but you know all the hoopla surrounding her is going to be pretty crazy. Well, I, I told one of the TV stations, maybe NORAD will lend out its Santa tracker and turn it into the Taylor tracker to see where she is over the Pacific, coming back from Tokyo. Actually, I have a friend uh, who lives in Tokyo, comes back to California quite a bit, and he said, actually, Las Vegas time, she'll be done around 6 a.m. Saturday uh, with her concert in, in Tokyo. Okay. So that, that gives her ample time. I think it's 13 hours to fly over. It gives her with hours to spare to to get to the game. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about her. She's pretty much rules the world now. I think she'll, she'll find a way to find a way to get there. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of hoopla and, you know, she's, she's dating the tight end for the chiefs. So it's a very famous couple now, but I, I don't get how people get tied up in a knot about this. I really don't I mean, grow up. <laughs> so, so, I, I know some of it's jealousy. Well, what did Taylor Swift write? The haters going to hate, 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 hate. I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of what's going on here. I, she's not my favorite musician of all time. I don't know all her songs, but she's highly successful. She's talented. She writes her own stuff. She plays her own instruments. She does, from what I understand, outstanding concerts, and she gives the crowd their money's worth. 
well, maybe close to their money's worth. Concerts are so overpriced now. And she's making a billion dollars off of this. So there, there is something there uh, with this, this, this artist that has put her on the very top of the music world in a way we haven't seen before. And, you know, uh, the, the concert tour that she's doing has been highly lucrative, but she also gives back a lot. Uh, she's, she's a great tipper, which is always a good sign. <laughs> so <laughs> all the stadium suite uh, staff say she's great about that. They, they, she sends Benjamins all over the place, so good for her. But, okay, she's dating a famous football player. It's probably two people who can relate to each other because they're both in the public spotlight. And they, they seem to be happy. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with having two more happy people in the world? You, know, you, you got to does it make your life better if they're not happy? I mean, grow up, get over that. You know, look inward. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I want to see actually is, and maybe this is going to happen. I want to see an over under in Vegas on how many camera shots of Taylor Swift occurred during the game. Uh, I don't know what I would set as the over under, maybe fifteen. And I'm going to take the over there, I guess. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of shots of her. It depends on how well the Chiefs are doing. So, uh, <laughs> especially if Kelsey scores a touchdown. Uh, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to take the under. Okay. Because th- th- there's going to be so much focus on that. And, you know, this is the Super Bowl broadcast. The, the, the producers know they're going to get panned every time they show them anyway. And I, I think even Taylor Swift saw herself on the TV monitor and said, go away. <laughs> you know, she, she knows what the, the, the game is. But I love these people who say she's ruining the NFL. How is she ruining it? This one brand marketing agency said she has added $330 million to the Chiefs' value. So <laughs> wow. that, that's a pretty nice way to ruin the game. Uh, you know, it's just people worry about stuff that isn't even important. That's, that's all I can say. Now, what is important? I've heard this from, from people. And, you know, I, I, we actually saw the beginning of the, what do they call it, the Eras Concert Tour. It was right here in Glendale. Uh, it was, I think, at State Farm Stadium. And we uh, were going to the hotel right nearby there, where actually a lot of the NFL teams stay. And we were just having some coffee. And we saw these young ladies dressed up in all sorts of elaborate garb, you know. And it was obvious, I, I was wondering if there was some sort of party going on. And then the lady at the coffee counter said, no, this is uh, the Swifties. This is a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> and and they, they were really excited. So she, she's somebody who inspires uh, a lot of young people, especially uh, girls. And from what I hear, even young girls watching on TV, they see the football game and they see her on the TV they get excited. They feel empowered. And also, they're bringing in new fans to the NFL that way. They wouldn't be watching with you know Travis Kelsey if Taylor Swift wasn't involved, too. So, I mean, you can roll your eyes at it, but she's not even on the screen for very long anyway. So why does it bother you? It takes 30 seconds out of your TV-watching experience. So what? Agreed. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors right after this.
When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give them a call at 415 453 3942 that's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. All right, let's talk about the Warriors here to finish up our first podcast of 2024. And, uh, you know, this team has just not been playing great basketball in the first half of the season. You know, Draymond Green was out for a while being suspended. And, you know, finally they had a, a feel-good game, I think, against the 76ers there. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, and I think that that game against the Lakers also, even though they lost it, was sort of a feel-good game because they were so competitive. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading now, Ray, that the, the Warriors, it looks like they're not going to make a deal. It's unlikely that they'll make a deal ahead of the trade deadline. What do you think of that, and, and what do you think about the, the season overall? Yeah, well, uh, they, they've led the league in gut-punch losses this year, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and then to have what happened off the court uh, in Salt Lake City to coach Decky. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know how you process that and still be competitive, but you know, they've come back after that week layoff, uh, you know, in in mourning certainly. And I think they've looked better in these last four games, much better. And one of the reasons of course is Draymond is back. Another reason is Kaminga's getting more playing time and he's really starting to blossom. And so even though they haven't gotten the results they've wanted, they've looked better. They've looked more competitive. Their offense is starting to flow a little bit better. Uh, you know, it, it was just frustrating because they've, they've not handled close games in the fourth quarter well, and that, that proved out against the Kings and against the Lakers. Uh, you know, they, were, they really should have beaten the Lakers. But uh, be that as may, that was an incredible game. That was one of the best games of the year in the NBA. There's no doubt about it. And when you have two... Uh, superstars who are at an advanced age as far as the NBA is concerned, concerned still going out there and performing as they did. It's pretty compelling stuff. Uh, they, they defended better last night against the 76ers as well. That's something that just hasn't come along. Uh, of course, uh, Maxi was out and Embiid is not Embiid, and now he may have a knee injury. I, I, you know, as we do this podcast, I had not heard results of the MRI. And that was an unfortunate play where Kaminga landed on him on a loose ball situation. Uh, all I can say is they're looking better now. I, I think one of the keys here is they're starting to see Wiggins come around. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And and having Kaminga now settle into a role for 30 minutes plus a night uh, versus what he was getting before where he was contributing on and off really started coming around in December and really in January he's, he's – become the guy that they hoped he would become. It's like acquiring another player. It is, yeah. And then you get Draymond back, and then you get Wiggins getting back closer to what he was. And you know his, his start to the season is one of the reasons they're under 500. There's no doubt about it in my mind. But maybe they feel at this point, okay, he's playing better, so he has more trade value, but does he have enough to where we can make a difference? Or would it be better just to you know, bring him along and they see what they see in practice and they see what they see in the games. And he scored, I think, 22 last night and he's starting to put up more points, starting to be a better part of the offense. 
and they're saying, mm, yeah, if we keep this guy around, that will also be like acquiring an upgrade. The the early season Wiggins traded for the Wiggins that we may see in the second half that we've seen before. He's you know he's he's a bit of a puzzle. He's inconsistent. He he kind of drives you crazy because you know he's so talented, and he showed that in the finals in 2022. He helped win the ring. So there's there's a connection there that you don't necessarily want to give up. I think they look at somebody like Clay Thompson being so important to the core and the, the culture and the legacy of this team that it and it might be a gut punch to trade him away. And, you know, then, then it comes down to what does Steph feel? Because that's the bottom line. If Steph's not down with it, it's not going to happen. All right, so I think he wants to go to war with these guys at least one last time and, and you know, just put your chips on the table and see what happens. Uh, I think because... The last four games have been a little more encouraging. They're kind of taking a step back. But the other part of it is we don't know yet if they are really in buy or sell mode. I I would think they'd be in buy mode, but, you know, they're falling out of the standings. They're 12th place in the West. If they have a bad road trip, they're they're really out. But by that time that road trip is over, the the trade deadline has arrived. So maybe they're not going to make a deal. Maybe they're just going to hope everybody gets healthy. Peyton comes back. uh, Moody comes back. And then you you cast your lot with them and hope they all stay healthy and you you feel like you have a better basketball team. And I think they will be better. Will they be good enough to get into one of those playoff spots? It's going to be a bit of a climb. I think they're a game and a half out behind Houston. Um, it's it's tough to gain ground when you're that far down. And you have so many teams to climb over. So I would guess that if there's going to be a, a trade, it's going to be at the very end of that road trip. And at the very end of that road trip, they're either much further under 500 and then it's just sell mode or they are a little closer to contention or maybe have reclaimed one of those playing spots and they just say, all right, we're good. We'll just go from here because we are playing better. But it's, it's a, like a totally different dynamic with this team than two weeks ago. It, it's tough to be in that position though, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if, if you're – third or fourth and you're going well and you have trade assets and you want to put yourself over the top, then it's an easy decision to make. If you're way down in the standings, you know, like, uh, I guess Portland, then it's a little easier to make that decision. When you're in the nether world that the, the warriors are in, it makes it a lot tougher, especially with all the emotional attachments you have to these guys. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be in Mike Dunleavy's shoes. Plus, I mean, once Pascal Siakam was taken off the board, I'm yeah, not sure there yeah. are many players that they really would want. I mean, I, I've heard DeJounte Murray's name. I love that guy, but uh, or Laurie Markinen, but I don't think Utah wants no. to deal him. Those names no. get thrown around. But, you know, honestly, if it was maybe a month ago, I would have thought, okay, you know, maybe I trade Kaminga. But right now, no way. Not the way he's no playing. Way. Yeah, I mean, he the last 10 games or so, he has stepped up big time to where it, you, you can't deal him. You just can't deal him. I don't think so. Uh, you know, the, the irony is, of course, now he's a guy who would be an attractive trade piece. You could really get something for him. But, you know, why, why do that? As John Wooden said, don't, don't confuse activity with accomplishment. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, 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 you'd be spinning your wheels, I think, at this point. He gives them a dimension that they've needed, a guy who can attack the rim. And Draymond coming back has really tried to encourage them in that way, and he seems to have taken to the heart because, uh, you know, he, when I see him go downhill toward the rim, 
it reminds me of LeBron in the open court. It reminds me of Russell Westbrook in his prime in the open court, getting to that rim. He's you, it's a force you can't stop. He's you know that way physically very imposing, and he's gaining confidence, and you can see it. So I think he's he's very aware of his role now, and that makes it a lot easier. And he, he said interesting comment last night. He said they're not going to put me out there for thirty minutes or more if I'm doing things I'm not supposed to do. So he he fully understands now what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to be on the floor, and uh, you know he'll take an open three, and Draymond will say, "That's great, bro. You know you you can hit the three, uh, but can anybody stop you going to the rim?" And the answer is usually no. So that oh, yeah. that's 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 a dimension they have. And he can hit a mid-range jumper, and he can hit the three. He he can score at three levels, but his real his real energy is is attacking the hoop. And you know they talk about the the Warriors and the free throw disparity, right? And I think some of those complaints are warranted, especially when it comes to how often Steph Curry gets fouled and it doesn't get called. You know he doesn't try to sell the call as much as a lot of players do. So the referees just aren't aren't wired to call him that way. They just figure he's slippery and he's so adept at avoiding contact that that's that's how he's getting his buckets. Uh, but he does get manhandled a lot, and they don't call a lot. Of they just don't. Um, he did have a push-off last night against Ubre that they called foul on Ubre. So I thought, okay, <laughs> yeah. well, at least the worm turned one time. But they don't have a lot of guys who are attacking the hoop. So you're not going to get to the free-throw line as much. That's just not been their style, and they've been fouling too much as well. So it's no surprise why they have one of the worst free-throw disparities in the NBA. That's just the way they've played. Kaminga helps turn that around a little bit. Absolutely. Love watching that guy play. All right, Ray. Well, we've got you got the trade deadline on February the 8th. Got the Super yep. Bowl on February the 11th. We will reconvene uh, shortly after that and, and talk about the big game, talk about the trade deadline. There'll be a lot to talk about. And uh, thanks a lot for coming on and, and doing this with me throughout the year. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And uh, just can't wait to see how this Super Bowl unfolds. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, the, the 49ers, I, I, I saw the opening line where they were favored. I'm like, no, I don't think so. And I think the money is moving. I have to check up on that. Uh, I would favor the Chiefs at this point, but yeah, obviously the 49ers have more than a puncher's chance in this game. So it'll be fun to talk about. It's great to talk to you again. Always enjoy it. And uh, I just want to say hello to everybody up there in the Bay Area who's ever listened to us. Uh, appreciate it and hope you uh, listen to our podcast throughout the season. That's the voice of Ray Woodson. We'll do it again in a couple of weeks. For now, I'm Joe Castellano saying thanks for listening to the Sports Virus Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.